morning, everybody. My name is Mark. It's good to be with you guys today. I want us to spend some time in prayer this morning. And I know a lot of you are coming in today um, kind of with the same question on, on our, our hearts of just saying, after watching the devastation of the hurricane this last, last week, of looking at the destruction and pictures of, of that that are kind of hard for us to fathom, um, we're, the question we have is, what can we do today? What can I do right now? And of course, uh, we're going to spend some time in prayer, uh, praying for the region affected by the hurricane. But I also want to let you know that there are, uh, there are a couple ways that you can give financially um, today. Well, we've got some ministry partners um, right there in, in the, the middle of the, the path of the, of the hurricane in Florida. Um, uh, partner church there that has uh, three different campuses. All of them were impacted. Um, houses of the pastors and this, the whole community uh, is devastating. They're, but they are they are prepared to be able to to be the body of Christ right now in that community. So we want to um, help them. So you can text respond to seven seven nine seven seven or visit slash give You can do that uh, today or, or anytime, and we'll we'll get get all that money uh, down there to Florida to that region impacted. But I want to just spend a few moments together in prayer and just uh, starting off with just just a few moments of, of silence to kind of center our, our hearts and lift up our communities. God, we have come today to lift up our worship to you. It's something that we do in every season of life and in the midst of, uh, of difficult times. God, it's all we know to do sometimes is just to come and, and worship you even uh, when evidence of the broken world around us is just um, at such a height. God, we lift up uh, the state of Florida and South and North Carolina and Virginia and every, every area that was impacted by the hurricane that came through this week. And God, we have some kind of a um, mixed, mixed uh, just perception of it all as right here in, in Middle Tennessee, we had beautiful weather all week and then we know the destruction is happening right next door. God, we, we pray that you will be present in a strong way, even bring a sense of your peace to, to the broken uh, regions. And God, we pray that you'll be present with families who are experiencing loss of, of property, loss of, of dreams, loss of loved ones. God, we, we pray that you will be uh, present with them and that you will raise up your, your church to shine light and hope in, in, uh, in the midst of the darkness. God, our hope is in you. Our hope is in your son, Jesus Christ. He's what has brought us here uh, today. We gather in the strength of the spirit that he sent us. And God, as, as a sign of that, we, we, we practice this over and over again. And so we lift up this prayer that Jesus taught us. And now loud, as your church, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I had to look up the term, but I think this is right. 
uh, we have been living with a prepositional phrase for the last, uh, last four, four weeks here at, at Providence Church. And that preposi- if, if I'm using the word right, English teachers, you can tell me, it's like the if-then kind of phrase, right? So the phrase that we've been, been uh, looking at for the last month is, if what Jesus says is true, then, and we've been hearing these, these truths that, that Jesus uh, shared with us, that, that frame our whole lives of following after him and living in, in this world. So we've been having that prepositional phrase that we've, uh, here, now I know that you're probably coming with an assumption that, well, I came to church and, and there are pastors speaking, and so I'm guessing that you do believe what Jesus says is true, like that you would, you would have that for, for me. And it is true. I believe that what Jesus says is true. And that actually comes from like a lot of experience of time listening to his, his words, reading his words, wrestling with the words of Jesus. And so over time, I've really come to believe that even when they're hard, what Jesus says is true. I realize that that's not 100% of you maybe in this room or joining us on, online. You may not be in that place, and that's okay. It's awesome, actually. I'm glad that you are here. And my prayer is that we'll stay in the words of Jesus long enough that in a little while you'll begin to see the, that the words of Jesus are true and they bring life to, to us. But even if you can accept that what Jesus says is true, it doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that his words are easy, that they're easy to comprehend, that they're sometimes even easy to listen to. Amen? Like sometimes, sometimes the words of Jesus are really hard. Like last week's sermon that Pastor Jacob shared with us was one of the most difficult sermons I've ever heard. It was really well presented, but I just mean like <laughs> the, the teaching was really, really hard because in the middle of, of that, that message, we were reminded that... Um, Following in the way of Jesus is not the way to align yourself with the ways of the world. And that's going to make things difficult. It's going to make things tricky for us when we're following in the ways of Jesus. And that's different than how things are framed in the world around us. Really, really tricky. We heard that the the truth that we, along with the Holy Spirit, are called to testify to the truth about Jesus in a world that doesn't want to hear it. That's what we heard last week. Jesus goes on now, to, this is a, the third chapter in this like table talk that he has with his disciples here towards, towards the, the end of the book of John and the end of, of his earthly life. He's giving them all this great, great information and praying over them. It's a beautiful talk that he, that he has with them. And I'm going to share um, a lot of scripture today, so I'm not going to apologize for that. But like if you get to a point this morning where you're like, hey, that's enough scripture, just raise your hand. Um, and I'll just keep on reading the scripture. I, I promise it's really good. Like it's really good, good stuff today. Okay, this is, um, this is from John 16, the first uh, six verses. Uh, they're not going to be on the screen. If you've got your Bible, you can follow along um, or you can just receive these words. Jesus says, all of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming this is, this is hard, okay. When anyone who kills you will think they're offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me. None of you ask, where are you going? Rather, you're filled with grief because I have said these things. Then Jesus goes on to say, yes, I'm leaving, but I will send you the Holy Spirit. 
And the Holy Spirit will tell the truth about the world and will tell the truth about Jesus. So kind of a, a summary here. The disciples are grieving the impending absence of their friend and their teacher, Jesus, whom they have walked with like side by side for, for years now. And Jesus went on to say, in a little while, you will see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. This is like classic Jesus talk right here. <laughs> this, is, this is the way that Jesus seems to be talking. It's like he's saying, now you see me, now you don't, well, now you see me again. <laughs> it's some kind of like weird, weird phrase that he's, uh, that he's giving to his disciples. And on this side of the resurrection where we are, on this side of Easter, you know, knowing the story of, of the empty tomb and resurrection, we can understand that sense of like, you're not going to see me in a little while, I'll be in the tomb, and then you will see me again, resurrection, right? Like we can, get, we can grasp that a little bit because we celebrate Easter on a regular basis. But the disciples didn't have that perspective, right? So when they heard these words from Jesus, they were confused. It says that in verse 17, at this, some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying in a little while you'll see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I'm going to the Father. They kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? We don't understand what he is saying, which is fair, right? It's fair for them to have that, that perspective. Jesus is talking like big picture stuff here, and they want specifics. They're like, okay, well, where are you going? When are you going? When will you come back? Like, these are the things that they are, are wrestling with. And this, by the way, is not the first time that Jesus has used this in a little while language. In fact, in this very same table talk he's having with his, his disciples, he's used it three times in the, in the previous three chapters in John already, this in a little while, in a little while. And they didn't get it because they didn't want to get it. <laughs> he was talking about the fact that he was going to die, the fact that he was going to, to be gone, and they didn't want to have to face losing the presence of Jesus. Now that I get. Do you? Like that I, that I understand, that sense of like, oh, I don't want to lose this. When I was a very young child, I remember when my, my grandmother Marie would come and visit from Chicago, and she would always stay in my room. So I just like, I'd come home from school, and I'm like, oh, she's here, her stuff's here, grandma's here, and she would spend a week with us, and it was glorious. She was amazing, the most uh, beautiful, gentle person I've, I've ever known. And then she would leave, you know. She would get on her TWA flight back to Chicago. I don't remember why. I, re I don't know why I remember that it was TWA, but it was TWA. She would get on her flight, and she would, she would go back home. And then I would get back to, to the house, and I would go into my room, and I would be like, Grandma, Grandma, where are you? <laughs> and my parents thought I was losing my mind. And they're like, well, you saw her get on a plane. You know, she, she went back home. And, but I just, like, longed for her presence so much <laughs> that I, I experienced what I think is called absence denial. <laughs> I wanted her to be present. Once you have experienced Jesus, and if you haven't experienced Jesus, please, will you stick around with us here at Providence Church? And there's just like a really high probability that you will experience Jesus at some point if you just keep walking with us in this. But once you experience Jesus, then any sense of his absence feels something like grief, right? Which we oftentimes like to deny as well. Each time Jesus predicted his coming absence with his disciples, he promised to send them the Holy Spirit. He promised, like, I'm going to send something. I'm, I'm going to have to be gone, but I'm going to send you the, a helper, an advocate, 
one who tells you the truth. And here in John 16, he is clearly saying, and I will come back again. But the disciples are still very confused. And Jesus is on to their questioning. He, always, he has that perception, right? Like he knows what's going on around him, even if it's not audible. He kind of always just has that sense. I think he anticipated their questioning. I think he might have even intentionally provoked their questioning by the way he said what he said. So he looks at them and he says, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while, you'll see me no more. And then after a little while, you will see me. The Bible doesn't record their response right here. But I'm just guessing like maybe they just nodded their head because he continued on. So like they nodded or they just stared at him blankly because he had just read their mind. (laughs) And so then he says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. What's he talking about? He's talking about his death on the cross. Like in that moment, the world's going to be rejoicing and it's going to be confusing because you're going to be brokenhearted. You're going to be weeping and mourning while the world rejoices. But that weeping and mourning means that you lost something that was really good. Right? Like you're noticing the absence of something that was amazing. So in this case, mourning is good because walking through that can actually get you to something better. As you walk through that, that mourning, as you walk through the grief, it can get you to something better. But that's not how the world views loss, is it? Like the world views, views loss, when it experiences, experiences loss, the world gets angry. The, the world loses hope. The world actually begins to go to war with itself. That's how the world responds to loss. So what's the way of Jesus? He says, you will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. One of the worst things that we can do as followers of Jesus is to deny grief like to try to explain it away, but we want to do that, right? I mean, it's just like, it's in us. I I feel it all the time. Like, I just want to explain away the grief. Or the worst thing that we can do is say, get over it. (laughs) Just get over your, your grief. But what Jesus says gives us a lifeline to get through our grief. Not over it, not around it, but through our grief. If what Jesus says is true, our grief is temporary. Jesus is so kind with us, and he knows that we're kind of thick-headed sometimes, and so he gives us, he like comes at the same thing with, from different angles. So he goes on, and he's talking about, uh, he uses this image of childbirth. He says, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. I'm just going to carry on with this illustration of the pain of childbirth because I think it's really smart for a male to talk about the pain of of childbirth. Um, (laughs) But what Jesus says here is, is true. Like a woman giving birth experiences pain and even loss in the midst of that. And while I've never given birth, um, an empathy pain is not the same as pain, pain. Okay, it's like not the same thing, guys, right? (laughs) But I do know, and I'll try to relate just a little bit, but I do know the fatigue and the frustration of late night feeding of twins. (laughs) Like night after night, you know, in the middle of the night when, when, when your body wants to be sleeping. 
And I do know that the fatigue, and, the fatigue and frustration of those feedings fades over time. Usually by the time the sun comes up the next morning, right? But clearly what Jesus is giving us here is an illustration to describe what was happening in the disciples' lives and probably in our lives as disciples as well. So what is it that is being born among us? What is, what is it that's being born through us? Providence Church. Do you want to know what it is? It's the coming of the kingdom of God. That's actually what's happening. Like the new heavens and the new earth you'll read about in the scripture, God's new reality in Jesus Christ, perfect love. These are all things that are being born in us, church. Like that's, that's what God is up to in our time. So why do we experience pain and grief if that's true? Because we're waiting on the birth of these things. We are waiting for our resurrection. We are waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. So the childbirth image that Jesus used might hit close to home. It's like a graphic example. Thank you, Jesus. But, but maybe now the disciples are beginning to understand. They had been hung up on Jesus' use of the words in a little while. That's what tripped them up. He kept saying in a little while. And they're like, what does that mean? <laughs> We can, we can learn from this that grief lives in that place between little whiles. I'll admit the phrase a little while is pretty vague. It's kind of like when the Bible uses 40 years to talk to mean a long time, right? Um, was Jesus here talking about, when he says in a little while, is he talking about like three days, 50 days? over 2,000 years? What was he talking about when he said, in just a little while? I think the answer to that is, all, is yes. <laughs> yes. And I'll explain it to you. When Jesus uses the phrase, in a little while, there's a few options of what he, was, what he might have been directly referring to, right? So when he says, in a little while you won't see me, in a little while you will, uh, I think most of our minds would, would immediately go to his death on the cross and his resurrection, right? He could also have been talking about his ascension after the resurrection, like back to the Father and then, and then sending the Holy Spirit. He could also have been talking about his ascension after the resurrection and his return to, be, to come back with us. Several times Jesus is quoted as saying in a little while in the book of John, and he uses it to keep his disciples moving forward. That's why he does it. He, he's like, you got to keep, you got to keep going we don't fully comprehend time. We don't fully comprehend God's timing. So Jesus says, just here, here, just like move, move a little bit more. Are you feeling pain right now? It, it, it's temporary, just in a, in a little while, okay? Just keep going forward. That won't last forever. Are you experiencing grief? That won't last forever. Like keep moving, moving, moving forward in a little while, in a little while. Keep following Jesus. Keep breathing. Keep listening. I, I find it likely that Jesus was referring to his death and resurrection when he said in a little while, in a little while more. I think it's likely that he was, was referring to that. You know, in a little while you won't see me, I'll be in the tomb. In a little while more, you'll, you'll see me on the road to Emmaus. You'll see me in the garden. You'll see me in the upper room. And, and I think he was referring to the coming of the Holy Spirit. In a little while I'll send you the Father and I'll send you the Spirit. And there'll be signs of my presence. And the church itself that has life from the Holy Spirit will be a sign of my presence. You'll see me there. And I think Jesus was also re referring to his ascension and his return. He said, I will come back for you. 
I will come and I will restore all things that are broken. All in a little while. In a little while, <laughs> this will happen. So yeah, it was three days. It was 50 days. It was over 2,000 years. So the word in, in Greek, I won't get all into the Greek with you, but just one word. Um, the word for in a little while in Greek is, is mikros, which is where we get the word micro, right? which is a word that we use for things that are really, really small, right? Like, like minute, itty-bitty things. And now it's been over, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus uttered the words, in a little while you'll see me again. So what kind of person uses the phrase in a little while to mean 2,000 years? As C.S. Lewis put it, it's either a madman or it's the son of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. It's one who lives outside of time. It's one through whom all things were created. It's one to whom a thousand years is like a mikros. <laughs> in a little while, death will separate us, but in a little while more, we'll be back together. Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, and he's giving them this, like, just like expanding their hope. He says, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. He said, I came from the Father and entered the world, and now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Because we love Jesus, we have loved his Father in heaven. His coming and going does not mean that we are alone. It's important. His, his coming and going doesn't mean that we're alone. It means that we will experience grief, but our grief is temporary. My mom and dad uh, worship with us online um, from Kansas uh, pretty much every week. Hi, mom and dad. Good to see you guys. <laughs> um, last week, I was actually in, in Kansas with them, um, and we were kind of walking through a season of, of grief of sorts. They were, sell, they, they were selling their home that they lived in for 53 years and moving into a retirement center. 53 years in, in one place. Like, that just doesn't, it doesn't happen anymore. So the grief that we walked through uh, was, was not so much about where they were going. It's a beautiful place where they're living now. But um, it's also about, but it was more so about what they were leaving, what they, what they were leaving behind. This, this place where so much life has happened, good and bad, like all of it. It's still somehow all really beautiful to, to look back on. It was a grief that was about shifting expectations you know, a new season of life for, for all of us. I was raised in that house. Like, I went home from Wesley Hospital <laughs> to that house as a, as a newborn baby, and I was, I was raised in that place. And so yeah, you can imagine, I was walking through the house for, for the last time. And just every empty room that I walked through, every, like, corner of the, the half-acre uh, lot that, that the house is on, just memories, right? We're just like flooding at me. Just like coming at me. It was like almost like matrixy, you know, it was like all these, my whole life was just there. And it was just, I expected to be sad, you know, like the whole time I was there for like a week this, and, I, and I, was, I was like waiting for the sadness. I'm not even trying to make it happen. I'm like, I should be, I should be feeling sad uh, in, in this. And then the last time I was, was closing the door, you know, I did the classic turn back and just kind of like look one last time. And that was when I had a name for what I was feeling. It was, it was gratitude. Like I was, I was so thankful for this, the life that had happened in this house and for my family and for, for all of this. And I was feeling gratitude and not sadness in that moment. Which having that posture allowed me to pray for this family that was buying the house, this young family. I hadn't met them yet. 
uh, but I was praying for them, and I was just kind of, I began to imagine their life there, even though I had, didn't know who they were or what they looked like. The next day, I accompanied my mom and dad to the closing on the sale of their, their house. And after all the paperwork was done, we got to meet this young couple. I don't know if that always gets to happen, but we got to meet the young couple that was buying the house. And uh, my, my dad got to explain to him how the, how the pond works, how you, how you feed the fish in the backyard, and, and the, how the, the filter and all, you know, the waterfall, and like, how, this is how you make it work. And I know he just wanted, he wanted to share like everything, everything, you know. And he said, my dad said, uh, we had over 50 years in this house. And the young man who was buying the house, the young dad, had three kids. Um, I, just like, I began to picture their life in the house. He looked at my dad and he said, we hope for the same. That's, that's when I cried, <laughs> right? But it wasn't sadness. It was not sadness that I was experiencing. It, I was crying out of a, of a fulfilled hope for the future. I saw it, you know, happening. How beautiful is that? I don't know what you're grieving personally today. It could be something like a place or a person or a hope or a, a dream that you had. But I do know that collectively we, we grieve over the brokenness of this world, right? We, we grieve over the fact that whole communities can be wiped out by a hurricane. We, we grieve the fact that there's violence in countries versus other countries, loss of life. We grieve that coll collectively. And I don't know how long this period of in between a little while is, is going to be for us, for you. But I know why Jesus gave us these words. He told us, he said, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you've been with us all year, we, we started the year with that verse. It's like on our t-shirts, we've been, been carrying it around with us physically and, and hopefully in our, our hearts as well. In this world you'll have trouble, but Jesus offers us peace. It doesn't take away all of it, right? Like we still have to live in this world and the world is still broken, right? But in the middle of that, Jesus says, I'm giving you my, I'm giving you my peace. There is, a, there is a future and in a little while, I'll come back and make all things right. In a little while, your broken heart will be restored. In a little while, I will come and I will personally, Jesus says, wipe away the tears from your eyes. So your grief is not a reason to turn away from Jesus. It's a reason to lean in to Jesus all the more.